Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Robbie Triano is here on the Big 12 Watch with us, my Big 12 brethren. It's kind of a, just do a, a check-in of, of all things Big 12. We know we've got big transfer news. We have got news in the coaching carousel. We've got Texas and Oklahoma State playing this week. So we're kind of just do a Big 12 check-in here on the Big 12 Watch. I'm your host, Josh Neighbors. You guys can find this show uh, on YouTube and also wherever you get your podcast. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, leave comments as well. That's how it, uh, you can help support our show. Find us on Twitter at NWPod365. I guess it's X now. Uh, and then at Josh Neighbors underscore as well. All right, Robbie. So we are we are in the midst of Big 12 Championship Week, and uh, you know we got some we got some big news about two transfer quarterbacks yesterday. So Blake Shapen is leaving Baylor to hit the portal, and then Will Howard is leaving Kansas State to hit the portal. And so I think on its face, when I when I would say as a general statement, like having the last two quarterbacks to win a Big 12 championship game, we haven't obviously played this one this week yet. Uh, right? Yeah, the last two Big 12. I didn't even think about that. Oh man. Yeah, the last two Big Big wow. 12 championship game winning quarterbacks are in the portal. You know, you'd say maybe that's that's like not generally speaking not great, but I would say that at least in Kansas State's case. I, I think I think a change is probably best for both parties. I think what Will Howard does does not necessarily match the personnel of K State, and also I I my I have my basically big theory is I think Colin Klein should probably watch all the Kansas film and be like, let's just do that. We might have we might have, we might have a, a guy who's talented both them both more talented than both their quarterbacks potentially potentially, right? Maybe this is the way to go. Um, and you know, Will Howard too, like, I think it's a guy who wants to boost his NFL profile. And to be fair, a lot of options last year, receiving core, not as good this year. So I think it made life a little bit more challenging on him. The degree of difficulty on those throws got a lot harder, good to make it to the league and make difficult throws. Yes. But maybe he should go the Bo Nix route, right. And go somewhere. They're gonna put him a place to succeed. And I could see him at a place like a Washington or an Oregon or whatever, uh, so I think at least in the K-State case, Will Howard one kind of makes some sense, although I would say you never like to lose a player like Will Howard. Yeah, no, this is like a really bittersweet moment for Kansas State. And, you know, you and I both worked on Big 12 radio and we had a chance to be like interact with Will Howard. And he's just like an incredible yep. human being. And I really think he's a reminder of like why we love college athletics, because he's like a, the true embodiment of what development is he was thrown into the fire as a true freshman sucked next year came in sucked some more and then he just kept grinding and kept grinding and when adrian martinez came down he stepped in and he's a major reason why they won a big 12 championship and you know this year i had him as my big 12 offensive player of the year i don't think he lived up to that expectations i don't think kansas state lived up to that expectations but you could tell like will howard has really like earned the ability to become a potential, maybe an NFL quarterback. And I think that's not something you could see at the start of his career, but now you're hundred percent right. Like stylistically, 
Kansas State needs to go in a different direction. And you, we saw signs of what Avery Johnson can be for Kansas State. And I really do think, you know, Will Howard is kind of, if he stayed, he would just be limiting that. And I don't even think Chris Kleiman wants that. I don't think Colin Klein wants that. And honestly, I thought Will Howard might go and test the NFL draft waters. And I think he still might do that. But yeah, there's a report him, that he might actually still do that. Yeah, but for him, like, what is, like, best case scenario? Like, he's not a first-round quarterback. He's not a second round, not third round, maybe fourth, fifth. I don't mm -hmm. know exactly what his, his comps is. If he just stayed another year in college, let's say he got the Sam Hartman deal or maybe made, you know, some NIL money. If he went to a major school, got some major attention, like, he's – He's earned the right to play at a school like Notre Dame or Penn State or hell if J.J. McCarthy goes to the NFL, he can play at Michigan. Like he mm -hmm. has earned the right to play at a major power five contender. Um, so I'm happy for Will Howard, but this is like a win-win move, I think, for both Will Howard and Kansas State. Yeah, you know, like you think about some of these some of these schools, uh, I'm not saying he go to Ohio State, but like Kyle McCord, you know, I, I would say that uh, as far as Ohio State quarterbacks go, pretty underwhelming. And and Will Howard is a guy, I mean, I, I would consider him an upgrade over a guy like that. And, you know, yeah, Michigan's a great example of a place where, you know, look, they've gotten they've gotten by for a long time with average to above average quarterback play. I'd say this week McCarthy wasn't anything special against Ohio State. And uh, he's a guy that honestly, like we say, could play anywhere. I mean, depending on the quarterback situation, he could play at most places. We, we know he can do it. And you're right. Like there was a kind of there was a certain point, and he's had some rough games. The Oklahoma State game this year was terrible, but he's had some. You know, he's he's at a point now where it's like he's good. I watched him against Missouri; felt like he was good. Watched him later on as the year went along, and even when there was some pressure, you know, hey, Avery Johnson needs to be a guy. I had some serious questions about like against Texas. How does that work, right? Texas defense. You know, the, the one thing they do well is stop the run. You put him in there; it's okay. And so later in the year, things got settled down. It was trending more towards Will Howard. But now you get the full offseason, and Avery's like, too talented of a player to keep off the field. So it kind of makes sense with that. For Blake Shapin and Baylor, I mean, this is this was a... I saw Blake Shapin wants to go and play for a winning program. Okay. Um, I like Blake Shapin. I think he can be good. I think that team had so many problems that it feels like he wasn't one of them. But also, I wasn't ever... I was never blown away by his play this season. I think the receiving core is probably the best part of that team. Uh, they didn't block very well. The running game had a really difficult time getting going. Defense obviously was bad too. So I think a, a reset for everybody involved is good. And especially now Jeff Grimes moves on. So it's going to be a new coordinator, new system, which he could need, but maybe it's probably at a, at a place that's not Waco. I, I know I think Baylor fans feel a little bit different. They're like, this guy is good. And he is good. But I mean... I saw today, I saw the numbers for Jacob Zeno and I saw the numbers for Kyron Drones and how those guys have had success elsewhere. And, you know, it, it's it's hurting for them, but like they can get a good quarterback. Baylor has the money and the resources to do this. It's just a matter of like, they got to they gotta get a good coordinator and they need to get a good quarterback and they can do it. It's just a matter of if they will. Yeah, this is, I think, the most intriguing uh, transfer portal thing that's happened to the Big 12 is Blake Shapin because like Will Howard entering is shocking, but you understand well, Blake Shapin, what is like really interesting to me is like he won a Big 12 championship and looked incredible in that game against Oklahoma State. He's the reason they won because of that first half. He was electric. And then after that, like I think he was stuck in just a terrible position because I don't know if Dave Aranda really is the guy for the job. And I think, you know, talent deficiencies, like 
You lose a Tyquan Thornton. You lose an Abram Smith. You lose so many key pieces to what made that offense great. And yes, they do have good pieces in that offense now, but like that team is just developmentally bad. And they have not recruited to the level they should be for the success that they have had under Matt Rule and under Dave Aranda in that first in that second year. Blake Shapin, I think, is going to go to an, another spot and be a good quarterback. I think he's going to be better than what he was at Baylor. And if you look at his stats this year, yes, it didn't result in wins. 13 touchdowns, only three interceptions, two, over 2,000 yards. Like He is like, not someone that pops off where you're going to th- say, like, oh, he's one of the best in the league. But he's efficient, and he gets the job done. If he's in the right system, I do think he can has have success. I don't see NFL quarterback as a comp for him, but like I think he can be a good college quarterback. But like, what is a program that can take him? Like, let's say Oklahoma State. If Blake Shaven mm-hmm. went to Oklahoma State, do you think he would be better or worse? And that's where I don't know because we saw what Alan Bowman was this year, and I think Alan Bowman may be, may be a good comp to what Blake Shapin is. I think like Blake Shapin's better. Him. I think Blake Shapin's probably better than than Bowman is. Maybe maybe risks it a bit too uh, a little bit more. Right. Bowman took pretty good care of the ball this year, but yeah, I think it's a pretty good comp. Yeah, and it's like, what type of program can Blake Shapin go to? And I do think a program can take a shot on him and succeed, but like, can we talk about Dave Rand for a second? I'm sure you you, yeah, you fit it. on this this week. I cannot believe <laughs> that they are keeping him with like a wish list of things he has to do, and he's shown yeah. he just can't do. It's like, oh well, he's we have to fire the offensive coordinator for the second time, and the defensive coordinator again for the second time, and now he has to use NIL money because uh, NIL money is going to result to more wins, you know, coaching wise, and it's like. Why are we giving this guy so many chances? It feels like Mac Rhodes is like, I can fix him. Like, I can mm-hmm. fix this guy here. And it's like, I understand you you signed him to a contract extension, and, like, it's a private school, so we can't see the numbers. But my guess is it was pretty, pretty steep because after he won a Big 12 championship, and we all, all at one point thought he could be the best coach, not only in the Big 12, but in college football. And he has just shown over the last two years, talent-wise, can't recruit, can't develop, and I do not think he has the personality to be a college football head coach. He always has excuses. He's always quiet. He's not like the CEO, rah, rah, let's get people in the stands. Like, I cannot believe that Baylor hung on to him. And the only reason I think they did is because they looked and they said, all right, well, we can't get tra- Jeff Trailer. We don't want to pay this buyout. I don't think there's a coach that is worthy enough to replace Dave Aranda or worthy enough to justify a buyout. So whatever's happening at Baylor, I, I feel bad for their fans because they are they have so much potential and they are squandering it with Dave Aranda. I think what's interesting with Baylor is this, is that they can almost afford to suck. Like they've done it. Isn't that weird? Because they, they've done it several times, right? I mean, that thing has been a up and down endeavor, you know, with Art Bryles, then to Matt Rule, then Dave Aranda. Like they've had the four seasons really with that, with that program. And, you know, that's the funny thing about Baylor football is like, they've had such high highs and such low lows that maybe you feel like, Hey, we can, we can give us another year. We can, you know, I guess lessen whatever the buyout would be and we can kind of go through it. And then because we're in Texas, because we have resources, we could potentially, and because the portal is the way it is, maybe we could fix this thing a bit faster than anticipated. But I, I'm a bit surprised too. I don't think I was as shocked as most people. I'm a bit surprised, but uh, 
Yeah, like that that is one of those situations. And here's the weird part, Robbie, is that now, you know, I, I always thought, hey man, if Houston could find a way to get Jeff Trailer, that'd be great. Jeff Trailer, I mean, you know, if after AM passes on him and Baylor doesn't become open, what other job is there? And people say, Oh, you know, he might wait for Texas to become open. And like I, I was like, well, Texas is getting better and they're recruiting like yes, crazy, like crazy, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah, that thing was getting like that thing was not heading in the direction where it'd be like, well, it's not like it's not opening. It's I'm not sure why people are talking about it opening. Um, and so it seems like now like Jeff Trailer and Houston are on a collision course. Because out of the coaches, honestly, like that's the guy I'd want the most. Texas guy recruiting ties are huge for them. He's also worked at a school that was a city school, right? Like UTSA is a school that they play in the Alamo Dome, you know, school in a city. Uh, Houston folks always kind of talk about, Hey, it's a little bit of, you know, commuter school, all those kinds of things, but the amount of talent that's in the Houston area too, I think that's kind of a match made in heaven. And so, uh, Baylor might be missing out on their chance to get a coach like that. I mean, you, you never want to clear the deck, I guess, just for one guy in the event you don't get that guy. But, uh, this is like the perfect Texas hire and Houston might just kind of run into it. I mean, Houston might just walk into it, in my opinion. Yeah, Houston to me is a really interesting spot because they're making a clear investment into football, into sports, but also you are in an amazing recruiting like area. And I think, right. you know, if you can keep some of that talent from going to the SEC schools or going away and you can keep them in the Big 12 and at Houston, like, you can really do some damage in this conference. Like, and I think, you know, if you have a good recruiter, I think that is great. And Jeff Trailer, like, I think that is a great fit for him. And I do think, like, I wish Joey McGuire kind of hung out for a bit because, like, as much success as he's done recruiting at Texas Tech, I think if he was at Houston, that would be a monster. Just because, mm -hmm. you know, like, Lubbock is, like, you're in Houston. Like, Houston and Lubbock are two different places. Different places. Yes. Um, and I, I think Joey McGuire would really thrive there, but I'm going to toss out a take that, um, if it, if it like hits, I'm going to look like an absolute genius. If it doesn't, everybody will forget it. But I do mm. believe like I'm seeing a lot of things happen at Colorado right now. And it's yeah. really intriguing. Recruiting has like a lot of decommitments, a lot of quarterback decommitments. Hmm. That's interesting. You're seeing a lot of people in the transfer portal. Okay. We saw that last year, but why, why is it happening again? And it's like Dion should be dominating, dominating high school recruiting right now, just because I think if you go there, you are going to have a camera on you and you are going to have so much juice. Like that is an attractive place to be at being with Dion, even if it's Colorado, if he were to be the head coach of Houston, I think he could build a monster. Because what he could do recruiting, like he has those ties to Texas, being a high school football coach in Texas, like being in that area, like I think if they could pull that off, like that would be massive just because I think he could do so much more at Houston than he could at Colorado. Yes, I think he could. I think the... Um... The problem for Dion, like Colorado, it sounded great. I'm just wondering if the like the all that investment we talked about being there, and that's the big thing now is like that's that's what's going to take to keep these kids at this point in time. And with with the transfer portal being unregulated and like with the way NIL is in, in its infancy, it hasn't yet kind of come back to the mean, if you will, uh, with like how much kids are getting. Then 
you know, that, that becomes harder, like after the kind of the juice wears off and, you know, I mean, that, that was a, that was you know straight down for them. Like after what happened and look, Dion's game management was pretty bad this year too. And like the, the also the decision to get, take this, the play calling Sean Lewis was really strange as well. They got a ton of questions, you know, it's gonna be tough for Dion, I think to, to jump ship. I still think some schools would take him um because they oh didn't my, improve as a program they, need, they did like, improve as a program. I, I understand they only had one conference win which is the same as the year before but like do you like the attention that you get yes. from having dion like it doesn't really matter your win-loss record like obviously you want to win but like if you can have that like being your marketing machine like he was on 60 minutes he was everywhere across the country for the entire non-conference slate he carried college football really and if yeah. you could do that and bring that and actually have success, like I understand he's, I mean, he's the most independently famous person to ever coach, ever coach in college. Right. Like he is Yes. like, I think like if Peyton Manning were to coach, it might surpass him. But like Deion Sanders is the most famous person to coach a college football team. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And it's like, like you could say Nick Saban, but like, obviously like he, but he's like, famous for coaching Deion. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. like Deion isn't like, right. No, I, I I totally agree. But like, if he were to be able to be at Houston, like I'm just saying, watch that because I think what's happening at Colorado is just like really fishy. Like I I feel like weird. people know stuff because I he's just been really quiet besides a one social media graphic where he's like, my feet are here. It's like okay, cool. <laughs> gotcha. Biggest disappointment this year in the Big Twelve. I put on Twitter a poll. And actually, it started off, so it was between Baylor and TCU. Uh, TC, or Baylor took the early lead. It ended up, Robbie, 51%, uh, hundreds answered, uh, 51% at TCU, 40.2% uh, said Baylor, and then 8.8 said other. Look, like I know Texas Tech fans, you think you all should win 10 games every year, but um, you, had, you played three quarterbacks again, you're still going to a bowl game. I would... I'd, you know, it wasn't as good as you hoped, but also too, like winning seasons don't get put together a ton at Texas Tech since Mike Leach left. So I I would tell you all that winning is not a uh, straight line sometimes. That's what I would tell you. Sometimes winning can take different forms. Back-to-back winning seasons, that's positive, in my at least in my opinion. Or back-to-back bowl seasons, at least. That is somewhat positive. Um, so between TCU and Baylor, the, the arguments would be this. For TCU, missing a bowl after going to a national championship, when you still had a like a decent amount of guys left over, I mean, maybe not the stars, but Amani Bailey did play. Savion Williams did play. J.P. Richardson played, you know, obviously somewhere else. Or it's, uh, no, uh, who am I thinking of? Um, uh, J- Jared Wiley, obviously, uh, there as well. Like, they had guys. And Jared Wiley had some monster games this year, too. And I know the quarterback thing didn't really work out, but they still had some guys in the defense who were, who were you know, were names from last year's team. Five and seven, right? There's, that, that would be the case. Baylor's case at three and nine, worst record. Also, Robbie, those games were less competitive. I know we've already talked about Baylor just a little bit, but I think there are cases on both sides. Where do you land on that uh, debate? Yeah, I think it's TCU. And it's it's funny because I think the three most disappointing teams in the Big 12 were in Texas, and it was Baylor, TCU, and Texas Tech. For Texas mm-hmm. Tech, like the expectations were just like way too high. And like Heather Dinich was like, they're going to the college football playoff. It's like Texas, that is- Wait, Texas Tech? Yeah, she said that. And it's like this is this is July fodder. This is like, can we? They had won nine games since two thousand nine. Yeah. Um, like what? Or what are we doing? I also want to pat myself on the back. I had them seventh on my preseason poll. They finished. Yeah, seventh. it was lower than I uh, had. Yeah. So, um, but th- I understand. Like Joey McGuire is in year two. Like 
like going to a bowl game and you're number two, that's fine. Uh, but TCU to me is like, how the hell do you fall this far? Um, which is like remarkable. Like, like imagine if Alabama did this. Imagine if Alabama went to the national championship game, lost, and finished five and seven. Imagine any other program doing that. That is like incredible. I don't care how much talent you lost. I don't care that you lost Quentin Johnson. I don't care that you lost Max Duggan. I don't care that you lost the best players in your program really ever. This is unacceptable. And all offseason, we were like, wow, Sonny Dykes is going in the transfer portal. And he's getting some major dudes. And he did. And then Sonny Dykes is like, this is the most talented team. This is more talented than last year. It's like, you lied. You absolutely lied. And you look at this team, you get Kendall Bryles, and the offense like can put up points, but I think at times like very much struggled when they needed to get a score. And that's where like TCU is like so it's like honestly disappointing because I think they had so much momentum that they could have capitalized on to really be like, we are the number one program here in the big 12. We can be that one flagship after Oklahoma is gone. And I think this year, like they just took an incredible step back and it's like really disheartening because, you know, they, they squandered an amazing opportunity to like, you know, position themselves in that spot. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, you know, I think for me, the reason why I lean Baylor is because of just how uncompetitive some of the games were. And that is not what should be happening. Like, you know, you go back to last season when they played Oklahoma, and I know Oklahoma was pretty average, but Baylor had their ups and downs last year. They ran the ball on the, on the road. They ran the ball right down Oklahoma's throat. It's like, oh, okay, they still have this in the bag. They still have that. And our guy, Richard Reese, Robbie, you know, their, their running back rotation was – did he Dalton die? Pendergrass and Dominic Richardson and is like, what? Are, what's going on? And they couldn't. Block I think Richard and, Reese died because every time I look yeah. at a box score and it's like he he doesn't even exist here. Two, if I was Richard cares. Reese, I would just straight up transfer. I would get out of there. Yeah. It's like we're really going to start. Like Dominic Richardson is good, but like I I was first team preseason Big Twelve running back, and you weren't even yeah. using me. What is going on? And, and you know, we talk about TCU too. Now to transition to a another team, uh, kind of on the positive side. So Texas, you know, I think what's interesting about this Texas season is that because like to the outside world, or I even think in people in the big 12, I think a lot of people have missed this and I, and I'm not trying to say I didn't miss it. You know, I, I, I knew Texas would be good. And I kept saying all year, like it makes sense because they were five and seven and now they're eight and four. And then, uh, you know, they're now, you know, 11 and one. And like, they, they actually were the example of linear, uh, you know, getting better. And well, what was bad the first year? They couldn't block anybody late in games. Their line started sucking. Well, what were those first couple recruiting classes full of? Really, really good offensive and defensive linemen. And also they developed the ones they had too. And think about uh, Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, our guys, you know, uh, Tavondre Sweat, uh, I, I mean, just it feels like these guys have been around for a while. And they developed these guys that, like, and they nobody can run the ball on them. Nobody had success lining it up and trying to run the ball at the Texas Longhorns this year. And what I'll say is for those folks on the outside who are like, looks like Texas might walk away with Big 12 championship and you know say goodbye or whatever. This was this was not this should have been the reality for a while. They should have been doing what Oklahoma did for a while. They never did. And to be honest, like it looks like they're about to move beyond that, but we're not sure. They've only been doing this this kind of success for one season. And 
So while while it might be terrible uh, to outside folks, I think for Robbie, for you and I who have watched this year in and year out, like in the end, Texas is just part of the churn. Now, I would say this team to me, if you put them on a neutral field compared to uh, the six teams, let's just say the last seven teams in the Big 12 championship game, if you all put them the last four seasons up against this Texas team on a neutral field, I believe this team is favored. I believe this Texas team is favored. I think it's the most talented. I think it's the best. Uh, I would say like what they do on their one weakness is pass defense, but they, but you need to chuck the ball all around on them like the entire game because you cannot run it at all. Um, and their, their offense is obviously very, you know, it's varied. It's, it's really fun to watch. And so I would say with Texas, like this is a great team, but they, they became just part of the turn. They are, they are the seventh different team in the last four years to play in a big 12 championship game. And the only, and the one repeat offender, uh, I mean, offender in a good way, Oklahoma state. They're, they are the one team in the last four seasons to play in it twice. And it's weird to think because this Oklahoma State team is just bizarre. But like Texas, I think they will win this game. They should be a massive favorite. But, you know, for all the people who are like, Josh, such a pro Texas guy. No, I mean, they've been great this year. They've been, that's hard to beat this team. And at the same time, it's like, why weren't you doing this before? Uh, I know, I think this team is a bit more talented than some other teams. And I also think the big difference is too, they don't have like a God loves Sam Ellinger. We do like him a lot, but his issue is they kept running him in games and it's like, why can't he throw? Well, well, his shoulder hurts. Cause he's run the ball 20 times <laughs> in the game. Cause he's been tackled every single play. Uh, it's nice not to have a guy like that. And with the quarter they went through a quarterback injury this year, they survived a running back injury this year. And Jonathan Brooks is the best player on their offense for most of the season. And they survived both those things. And they did not lose a game when those guys were injured. So, I think it's weird because there's a lot to square with this team. And then you go out larger and think about this program and it's this really odd kind of juxtaposition, but you can't argue the fact that Sark's got them in a great place as they head to the sec. And it looked like that would be flipped with Oklahoma as opposed to Texas being that program. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think every year we, we come into there saying like they have the talent on paper, but can they put it on the field? And I feel like this was the year they learned how to do that. Like this year, the talent was clearly, clearly better than everybody else. Like Jonathan Brooks was electrifying before he got injured, like receiving core wise. AD Mitchell's been even, awesome this year. He's been so good. It's not even close when it comes to like yeah. receiving core. Like it, it's not like Oklahoma had like has a good receiving core. Their best receiver was Drake Stoops this year. Yeah. Like, what would he be on Texas right now? Like that's yeah, where third like, or, yeah, third, fourth, like Texas had it going this year. And like people say like, Oh, you you just love Texas. Like I, I don't understand that with sports fans. It's like, I'm going to appreciate LeBron James. I'm going to appreciate Michael Jordan. I'm going to appreciate mm -hmm. Tom Brady. Like, I'm not saying Texas are, is that, but they are clearly the best in the conference this year. And like they have been all season. They have been all season. And if it wasn't for that Oklahoma game, we would be talking about them maybe winning a national championship. Like that is what we would be talking about. The they're Texas still in Warriors. it, Robbie. They're, they're still in this. They're still in this thing. They and also, this, I I left that OU game the same way I left the Oregon Washington game. I was like, what an effort from the winning side, Washington and and Oklahoma, and in, in that sense. But the better team didn't necessarily win. I felt that leaving both those games and I thought Texas proved it. Like the only way Texas came close to losing this year was when they sucked. 
that Kansas State game, I mean, they just absolutely like crapped in their pants. I mean, it's like the back-to-back offensive plays, they turned into possessions for Kansas State inside their own 30-yard line. That is really impressive. That is impressively terrible. And K-State's like, well, I guess if we just play good a good 10 minutes of football, it'll go to overtime. And it did. And it did. They almost won the game. I think the same thing about the, the, the TCU game. Just a, a one-way traffic. And they're like, well, uh, they start messing around. And they ultimately have to get the ball back. And they ice the game, which is great to see they can do this. Uh, the big difference this year and last year's team, they, they're winning these games. They're putting these games away. The Houston game, they were up 21. They are 21 in that game. They are like, well, what if we took a nap? in the second quarter. And it's like, that's, and then the thing about that game was Robbie Ewers gets hurt in the end. And they're like, you know what? We saw, we, we saw our guy Malik Murphy throw one pass. How about we just run the ball? And I mean, Malik Murphy put that thing in the stands and then they ran the ball right down Houston's throat for the entire drive and scored a touchdown and won the game. And it's just, it's like, yeah, is it perfect? No. Was there a slip up? Yes. And do they keep stepping in the potholes over and over and over again? But yes, but they they didn't twist their ankle in them. They kept pulling the foot out. And that last one they had against Texas Tech, oh my God. You're like, make somebody who's a lesser competition than you look bad. And they're like, all right, we'll do it. I thought the Iowa State win was really good because of how clean of a game for the most part they played against that kind of team in that spot on the road. You need to do that. They did. And they're like, you know what? One more challenge. Brett Yormark's coming here. Hammer down. So... It, there's still remnants. You can still see it. There's still remnants of 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 Texas, but they of you know the Texas thing, if you will. But right. they're starting to get that, that out, and they're starting to have a, a certain level of talent where it's like, yeah, actually, that stuff doesn't matter anymore. We're just that good. We're this good that we don't need that. No, I I totally agree, and I think you you hit the nail on the head. Like we have seen Texas lose those games that they like second half they somehow squander it, and like they did it this year. And I understand like that is not sustainable for your future, but they proved that we can be still more talented than you. And I think they are just better well-coached. I think they are like, they are developing the players that how they, you should develop at a school like Texas. Like they are producing NFL talent there. And like, are they going to walk into the sec and like be the top dog or like compete with Georgia and Alabama? Like, I still don't know if like they can immediately walk in and like, Hey, we're here. But like I'm closer to believing that than closer to, to, to I'm closer to believing they can do that more than I believe they are going to be the old Texas. Just because I think NIL wise they are recruiting like a machine. I think that Steve Sarkeesian has an incredible offense. He is getting weapons around good quarterback play. I still want to see like Arch Manning do something later down the road, but he is developing, and I hope that in a year or two years when he does play. Like he's going to be good. And that's where like, I'm a believer in Steve Sarkeesian and where that program is going. Um, And like, is it sad that they're going to win the last, you know, big 12 title that they're here? Like, okay, sure. That's fine. But I, I, I mean like good for Texas, like, like, like you may hate Texas, but it's like, okay, they finally got it together. Like that's where like Texas is right. kind of getting it together with Steve Sarkeesian. And like, it sucks as a fan, but like, you kind of have to like, be like, ah, good for them. So good for good for Texas. And like, are yes. they going to win the, the game? Most likely. But like, I do think it is going to be closer than we think, just because I think Mike Gundy uh, will always have some tricks up his sleeve. Also, as an underdog, Mike Gundy's record is really good. I mean, he is. I know. I, was, I see. Uh, I think I forget who tweets it out all the time. Um, maybe Marshall Scott who tweets it out a lot. 
Uh, I think it might be him, but it's he's got such a good record. And, and we'll 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 end the show on this, Robbie, talking about this Oklahoma State team. Uh, what? Uh, wh- look, was it twenty? Was it two thousand and? Um, you know, was it was it twenty twenty two TCU? No, because they lost three games. But there were just some hilarious moments along the way for them. Uh, that game against South Alabama is one of the most like, <laughs> what are we doing? Moments ever where it's like, well, we got the starter, the middle reliever, and the closer, and it's like, no, stop, pick. And at that point, I think a lot of us were like, you know what? We all might be in a camp, and I don't think many people were in the Gunner Gundy camp, but it's like, just pick a guy. Like, because our, our old colleague, Gabe Eichert, always told us this, you know, and this is kind of because he's a center, and I, I've kind of always gone with this. Like, it's really important that you know who the quarterback is because just you take, like, he said, even hearing somebody's voice in like a huddle, like just knowing the guy's voice, knowing the plays, if it's loud, like, like you just you hear the play, you know a guy's voice, you know what, he, you know what he's saying. And, uh, they did pick Bowman, I think, in the Iowa State game, but that was the first game they actually picked him and, and then went forward and it went really well. And look, I don't think I don't think Alan Bowman's awesome, but there are some games they needed him to be really good, and he was. And he's made some he made some big throws in that BYU game, made some big throws in Bedlam, obviously. Uh, but just the fact that you look back at these losses and their losses were just catastrophic. Uh, at least two of them were, and, and I mean ass whippings. <laughs> Uh, for the South Alabama game and the UCF game. And then every single time they had to have an answer, whether it was against Houston, whether it was against, you know, um, BYU. And then also the K-State game was off a bye and they looked so organized and they looked good on both sides of the ball. And their first drive was this just and like, you know, this was confident drive where it was like, you know, we're not just going to run at you. We're going to throw it and make sure you understand, like, this isn't just a, a rushing attack. You're going to have to defend the entire field. And look, I think, Robbie, my big thought about Oklahoma State is this, is that we were concerned about the talent loss this past offseason. We we overstated it a bit, right? Because I think about the guys who are making plays for them, you know, Presley, Gordon, you know, th- these are guys who have been around, like Colin Oliver. These are all guys who have been around. Like these are actually guys who have been on the team before, right? And it's like, oh, well, they didn't lose everybody. And so uh, Mike Gundy pulled his head out of his ass and started coaching. And when he starts doing that, I mean... He's the best coach in the league. Like I, I, I will stick by this. Results say us no. The end result though tells you that Mike Gundy is still the best football coach in the Big Twelve. It's it's not even close. Like he, no. it's just inevitable that he's going to win seven or more games. And like yes. when when I saw the over under at seven and a half, I hammered that just because yeah. like even though all of the off season, oh Spencer Sanders is gone. How'd that go for him? By the way, uh, not great. Uh, but like they lose all these players, and it's like oh. He's losing it. They lose Derek Mason. Oh, what's going to happen? It's just Mike Gundy is inevitable. And I don't know if he knew this at the time, but he had a Doak Walker. He's going to win the Doak Walker. Ollie Gordon was just incredible this year. And I I don't think there is a more surprising team in the Big 12 this year. Um, I even think Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State fans have to be like a little bit shocked because that UCF game, you're like, what the hell after an amazing Bedlam win? And then that BYU game, you and I were texting like, oh, my God, like they're going to fumble. Like they're going to fumble the chance to go to the Big 12 title game. And like yeah. Brett Yormark is going to be like breaking every TV in the suite he was watching. Like, no, I don't want an Oklahoma-Texas title game. But 
Mike Gundy's inevitable. Ali Gordon was my favorite player to watch in the whole Big 12, one of my favorite players to watch in the whole country. Uh, and it's just a sign that, you know, don't doubt Mike Gundy. I think that's just a sign. And in the new Big 12, is, is that going to be the best program? Like, if you were to put money on one program right now to, like, just consistently be top three, I think Oklahoma State has to be that as long as Mike Gundy's there. Yeah, I would say Utah, Utah. Utah is yeah. definitely hotter right now. But what you'd have to say is is that they're not used to being in the in the league, and that's that's going to be an adjustment, right? Like there is, I I don't know if it no, will. Be. Gonna, I think I think I think there's adjustment in the sense of like you, you in the in the Pac-12, you kind of know what you're going up against, and I would say in the Big 12, there is such a variance in like think about the, think about all the schools that are uh, that that are kind of in the in the Pac-12 zone, Oregon, right? Like. Oregon's, I mean, Oregon, this at least the first Oregon is going to pound you, but like they can throw the ball, right? That's kind of been part of their their DNA for a while. Chip Kelly, we know he wants to throw the ball. Uh, obviously, Washington State, we know they want to throw the ball. Washington proper wants to throw the ball. Uh, USC wants to throw the ball. Like all of these teams want to throw the foot. I mean, or um, Arizona too, at times, uh, has been, you know, a chuck it team now that they've got good running backs now. But like there's a lot of throwing the rock around. Colorado wants to throw the ball. So the Big 12, the one thing that's fun about it is like there's something different every single week, right? So going up against a Colin Klein offense and then an Andy Cotal Nikki offense, and then you know, go back to when Jeff like Jeff Grimes's offense, uh, you know, and then what Oklahoma State's gonna do on offense, and then you went to Jeff Levy's offense, and I know that's that's going out, but there's still team I mean Kendall Riles is in the league, right? So it's the same offense at TCU. So there are all of these different things. That you're going to see, and I mean, then you go to you know uh, Houston, at least under Dana, there's more to say. Example was like they're like straight up air raid, right? They cannot run the ball at all. Um, so you have all of these different variations of everything that you are going to see, and I think that's what makes the Big Twelve challenging. On top of the fact that you're going to a bunch of different locations, right? And so that's going to be different. Now the one trump card that they've got next year, Utah, they're getting all eleven offensive starters back. It seems so. Uh, that is going to be yeah, the ace in the hole. Yeah, it's, it, it, it could be rough for, for everybody else next year with Utah coming to the league. But still, I think, yeah, program-wise, like, like if he's there, because he is, he is Oklahoma State football, um, if he's there, that's a great program. I mean, that's, that's, that's a great program. You know, I, I think Josh Pate used the example of, like, Wisconsin South, and Wisconsin's not even that anymore. Like, what Mike Gundy's oh, done. I like that. I think, yeah, I, think I, like I believe it. he was. Yeah. I mean, like, it's like a Wisconsin. Penn State, really. It, I, yeah. It me it, of Penn it, State, just like always hanging around at the top. Yeah. And it, look, it's it's probably the, you know, you think about like programs will ascend and descend around them. Right. But despite that, always in the mix, it is, it is that team. And I'm a big believer that if last year, Spencer Sanders doesn't get injured, that team is a lot, a little bit different. He was the best player in the, I thought he was the best player for most of the year in the conference offensively last year definitely the most Agreed. important player last season too and he gets down it goes down with an injury and you saw what happened their season tanked um even when he played the injury the, the thing tanked so yeah i would say robbie that oklahoma state's gotta be up there and mike gundy like it's nine and three it's an it's extremely strange nine and three but you think about they've got some talent but like i just think about how well the offensive lines played for a lot of the year Man, I mean, Ollie's been awesome, sure. And this past weekend's BYU wasn't like the massive holes, right? It was him fighting, making two-yard gains, five-yard gains. But you watched the end of that West Virginia game, 
I mean, you and I could have run for 50 yard touchdowns in that game. Those were massive holes in the fourth quarter that Oklahoma state was just leaning on them and opening up. And that's like, that's, that's not been the strength of this offensive line. They've been coached really well. And that's what he does, man. He, 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 it's, this is what he does. Hell or high water. He always does it his way. And I'll tell you this, Mike Gundy's a weird guy. Uh, not oh, yeah. a, a prick, prickly, but to, to see Brennan Presley jump, I'm not sure if you saw the video, Brennan Presley run and jump into his arms. It was, it was cool. Cause it's just like those two guys have obviously been through, uh, you know, a lot together. And uh, I don't think any, I don't think folks can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think, as many questions have been asked about Oklahoma state football as they were this off season. Cause it wasn't like last year was a disaster, it, but it was like, man, Spencer's walking away. That's, that's a four year guy who's a really good quarterback and you, you guys can't figure it out. And there's a, a host of other issues there too. And so, yeah, I mean like this, they, the fact that they went from that and that this is how he responds, even the beginning of the season. Yeah, and, to that and that. adding to that too, Gundy was just like, if he goes in the portal, okay, I'm not going to try and get him. I'm not going to try and convince him to come back. And I think that was so jarring to people. Like, that's not how you're supposed to do it now. And he, I think, I think he's kind of right. Like, oh, if you don't want to be and, here, okay, cool. I I trust my guys. And we've talked about all these guys across the years. Taylor Taylor Cornelius, right? Who he discovered and threw for a ton of yards. Uh, you know, Spencer, who I think became a really good quarterback under him, obviously. Um, uh, Zach Robinson, right? And all the receivers, James Washington. The two teams that went to the Big 12 championship for Mike Gundy were all about running the football. That's what they, that, that is what they did best. I think this team is nowhere near as good as that team they had two years ago. But the best player on this team, also, Jalen, shout out Jalen Warren. I mean, what a, he's awesome to watch the NFL, man. Yeah. And he had, he slowed down a bunch at the end of the, end of the year when they went to the championship game a few years ago uh, because of injuries they rode him into the ground but uh like ollie is just he's a little bit different i mean he is derrick henry robbie that's what i think of when i watch him he gets better as the game goes along he he gets nicked up he gets banged up but he does not stop coming he is like this just he's inevitable uh it feels like now in this run and you know, I think also too that they, they've thrown the ball at times they needed to this year and and bowman but guys when i say he's good at protecting the football I mean, like, I know he's thrown 11 picks this year, but like, it feels like it could be about 30 more if he makes, you know, the wrong decision all the time because their pass protection, not as good as a run blocking. Um, but like, he's taken good enough care of the ball. You know, it hasn't been a complete disaster unless the last few games have not been he's great. He's a game still, manager. Like, that's it. He yes. Just, he manages the yeah. game and he's like, all right, I know exactly what I want. Yeah. Um, no, this, uh, I want this game to be competitive and like, would it be awesome if Oklahoma state won? Like, absolutely. I think that would be like such an amazing moment for the big 12 to be like in the last season, we proved that we are better than Oklahoma mm. and Texas. Yeah. Like that would be like a great cry, but like, honestly, and I think like you're going to get like a commenter who's like in their bait, like, Oh, don't it's like, I want Texas to win. Cause I want to see them potentially play in a college football playoff. Like, that is just really intriguing to me. Like if I just, what I want to see, what is a great storyline, like something that I just want to see happen. I, I want to see Texas play in the college football playoff because I think they deserve it. That Oklahoma game was like, I wish they could have that back because they were this close. They were one terrible goal line stand away when you're just like running out your defensive linemen. That was puzzling. That last drive was a nightmare. The last drive was a complete nightmare. 
But like, I want to see Texas play in a college football playoff, and I'm sad that we're not getting an expanded playoff this year. Because if they were a five or a six, I would love to see how they. They win. might make it, Robbie. They, I mean, if Louisville wins this week. They need week, some chaos. They need some chaos. They, I, I don't think they that, need that much chaos, though. I mean, because if Louisville wins, you know, they're going to find themselves in a spot where um, they'll probably. So you think Ohio State's just out though? Like, let's say Florida yeah, State. I, well, I, I don't think I don't think you can keep Texas twelve and one. You know, with the with the conference with the championship. championship, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, and, and look, it's it's funny. It's funny. It's like, all right, actually, what's better for Texas if Georgia wins or if Bama wins? Because the thing is, if Bama wins okay. and is twelve and one conference champion, how are you going to keep the team that beat them on their own field out of it? Right? Like, it's like, all right, well, if one's deserving. You know, do we just throw out like, Georgia needs to be Bama? Matter? Like, like you got to yeah, take th- Bama out of the equation. Well, right? I, I think I think it might be, but yeah, because I don't want to get into those arguments where it's like, well, what do you know? What do we care about? What do we? I value? don't trust the committee to. That yeah. is two lost Bama though. Hmm, that's a good point. But well, I would say yeah, <laughs> one lost Bama. Like, oh, let's get let's get Bama. Let's get Bama out of there. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, uh, one of Oregon and Washington will will yep. go on and win that game, Michigan. right? So you have got a team right there that's going to move on. Um, Big Ten's going to put their champion. And then so all you need at that point is, I mean, if Florida State loses to Louisville, you're in. That's that. At least that's, that's my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you think, uh, one final question here. So if, if they do go, would you root for them? Would you be rooting for Texas to win? Yeah, I would. I would. I would too. I would Like, too. I understand like... Because like, like at that point, what does it mean? Like, what does it mean about the... Like, is it... If they win, how is that negative about the Big 12? Right. Like, like, what does a Texas national championship do in any way to hurt the Big Twelve? It doesn't. It actually makes it look better. No, that that's a good point. I think like people will spin it as in like, yeah, that's actually that's that's a good point. I I want to root for them just because I think it's intriguing, and I've been watching them for like since I've been covering the Big Twelve and basically my whole life. Like, I want to see that team play in the college football playoff. I would rather watch them than Florida State. Like, just as yes. an interest, if you're a Big Twelve fan, like, don't you want to see the team that you compete against a lot? Like play because if they right. win, it's like, wow, it's validating. If like in the past couple of years, you have beat Texas or if you had a close game against them, it validates you even more. It's like, wow, we, we competed against this team. Weirdly quiet season two. Like nobody's, I mean, I guess they, guess they haven't really had that, had that many massive games. I think that's probably why I, if they, if they beat Oklahoma, we'd be talking about them a lot, lot more. Um, but it, but it's, I it's still think annoying. that there's still 12, there's still 11 and one in the top 10. That's like, they're, you know, well, I think the, I think more, the, I think the top is a, just so top heavy. That's it. It's like it's hard to talk about them. I would just say more from a sense of like, yeah, they've kind of they've kind of finally delivered. Yeah. Like, oh, great, Texas is now looking better than all the teams they should look better than, and and it's and we've been we've been waiting for this for years, and everybody's like, all right, well, I guess it's it's just like, all right, Texas is back. That's that's all it is. That's like, right. I, it's, or it's like you know, at least for this season, Texas is back to where we thought they should be. Okay, like it's yeah, like it, when nobody's doing jokes, it's just like, okay, they're there. I, really I don't. I wonder if it's also a people invalidate the rest of the Big Twelve. Um, I wonder if mm. that, like, like if they were in the SEC and they did this, I think it would be a much bigger story. But I think yes, I, I don't know. There might be some anti Big Twelve bias going around the rest of the country. I'm just gonna, you know, pump that propaganda. All right, Robbie, where can folks find you and your work and all of its variety? Yep, I work now. I worked at Big Twelve Radio with Josh. I'm no longer there. I now live in the city of Chicago, and I work with Six Seventy The Score, the number one radio station in Chicago as a producer. I love it there, but I still love college football very, very much. I focus a lot on the Big Twelve just because you know it's part of my heart. Um, but you can follow me at the Triano Kid, um, Josh. I miss you, and I love talking Big Twelve. It's like something like 
here in Chicago, nobody understands. They're like, why do you care about this? And it's like, I like these people. They're cool. Um, So I love the Big 12. All right, Robbie. We appreciate your work. We'll see how it goes this weekend, man. Talk to you soon. See you, man.